it is it is really funny that like Americans conceive of NASCAR as being this this problematic mm-hmm. um um conservative right wing sport, but then a lot of them are like latching on to F one. Like F one uh-huh. isn't fueled like F one isn't fueled by like every single petro I mean, state around the fucking world. I mean it's also really funny too because the guy who used to run the FIA uh, was Max Mosley. His father was Oswald Mosley, and if you know who what? that is, yes. what? Yes, his dad was Oswald Mosley of the British Union of Fascists. That's um, insane. Yeah, so that's Max Mosley for you. Uh, Give me fucking Talladega over that crowd like any day of the week. Any intentional forward movement of his hands starts a forward pass, even if the player loses possession of the ball as he is attempting to tug it back towards his body. Also, if the player has tugged the ball into his body and then loses possession, it is a fumble. Like, I got over the tough rules, but I still think about the tough rules. Do you not believe the tuck rule was appropriately applied? I do not. I do not. Hey folks, we got a tuck rule here for you, uh, yet again. Um, I am Victoria, your daring co-host, and I am joined by Katie. Say what's up, Katie. What's up, you asshole national title lovers? (laughs) Um, (laughs) dear God. Um, so... Katie, I would say that quite a bit of football happened this week. I, I would say, I would say, sir, so. it, it was a very important week in both professional and college football, and I this was a very fun week for the most part. Yeah, if you're me, and it was a very, very fun week if you had absolutely no interest in the college football title game. So yeah, that's fine. <laughs> um, Katie, let's say that you were. A five foot eleven quarterback for the national title winning Georgia Bulldogs, uh-huh. and let's say that you didn't really have NFL prospects and you were just kind of out there to have fun. Um, let's say also hypothetically that your first name was Stetson. Um, first of all, how trashed would you get after winning said national title? And second of all, how hungover would you be appearing on Good Morning America the next day? <laughs> Uh, I would get so trashed that I'd be swinging around a golf club everywhere at like 3 a.m. in like 5 degree weather in Indianapolis. Like, you know, just randomly walking down the street swinging a golf club because nothing could nothing could hurt me. Nothing could possibly top me. I could not get frostbite. I could not be arrested by the cops. You know, there's fucking around with drinking and then there's finding out and... Stetson Bennett having to wake up uh, at 7 a.m. for Good Morning America is only a small is only a small consolation for me. He, I mean, you got you gotta get it you gotta get me at least like three or four sausage biscuits before I'm ready for that fucking thing. <laughs> at that I, time, like, I was literally about to say we need to get my man a fucking McGriddle stat. Oh we yeah, we need to get this man. We need to hook him up to a. We need to hook him up to a, like, we need to hook Stetson Bennett up to a sausage grease IV. We need to just, we need to get it going. And then he would ask why it's not ivermectin. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, (laughs) So, we are um, 
traditionally on this show, we go college first and then professional football because that's the order it happens every week Usually. of the year except for this week. Yes. Um, the national title game has been a Monday night affair for quite some time, so uh, we're actually going to start with the NFL and then move into college football. This feels weird. Um, yeah, a little bit. Usually I'm the one that talks first, not you, but... I know. Uh, uh, you know, extraordinary times call for extraordinary measures. Yeah, um, so I think I'm going to go in roughly chronological order on a absolutely wild uh, Week 18. This is the first time that the NFL has ever advertised um, the final week of their season as the season finale. Um, and if there was ever a year to start branding it that way, I think uh, it was this year because there was some crazy drama. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord. Got my um, heart pumping. Oh, yeah. Um, so I think I'm going to start off with a game that had no playoff bearing at all, just to get it out of the way. Um, Lions 37, Packers 30. Um, the Packers had nothing to play for. They had already clinched the bye in the NFC, but they still played their starters for the first half, and they still played, like, really hard. This game was awesome. This was, like, an actual awesome shootout of a game. There, uh, the... uh, there was a very impressive um, uh, wide receiver pass for a touchdown from uh, from the Tuck Rules famous uh, or uh, from the Tuck Rules favorite fake wide receiver Tim Kennedy uh, That's right. through a seventy five yard touchdown pass. The Lions fought like shit. They won thirty seven to thirty. Yeah. Um, and they lost the number one pick for it. But but Amon Ross St. Brown, they have a great prospect at receiver. Uh, he, yeah, it, it, honestly, when I watch him, it's almost like he is a, like, he kind of reminds me of a, like, slightly taller Julian Edelman. He's just, like, very <laughs> technical with his routes. Um, yeah. just, yeah, he is a gem, and it'll be cool to see what the Lions do next year. They finished the season with three wins, and, uh, yeah. considering how they started, I think that's pretty cool. Anyway, um, shout out to our boy Dan Campbell for, uh, shutting down any talk that he might get fired after year one absolutely because um, that team played hard for him the entire year they played hard for him when they were just losing every game by by some ridiculously sisphian way where the rock just fell down the hill and they finally pushed the rock up the hill and i i really want this team to go from like three to like six or seven wins next year i i think that's possible depending definitely. yeah depending on you know what they do this off season, but still I think the future's actually kind of bright there in Detroit, despite yeah. everything. So, yeah. Uh, from one one-seed clinching uh, their bye to another, we have uh, Titans 28, Texans 25. Uh, did you watch any of this game, Katie? I sure did. I sure did. So, I, I was tired, so I took a nap for the first half. Saw we were up 21-0, thought, oh, well, that's great. And then Davis Mills decides to come alive, be the throat goat, and throw for over 300 fucking yards. And Danny, Danny Amendola toasted our fucking secondary like, like like parched corn in an 18th century kettle. Like, my God. Do you know how old Danny Amendola is? 75. He is 36. <laughs> um, Davis Mills rocks. I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm. I'm he just looks gonna like say the, that. Yeah, he looked like the second best. He looks like 
the second best quarterback that's a rookie from this class this year? Like, in terms of... I, I know in terms of talent that's not true, but he's had some really good performances this year down the stretch. Like... I think you got to give him. I think you got to give him the reins for the team next year. Yeah, why not? Especially because it is a weak quarterback year. You know, you might as well oh, see yeah. what you can get away with. Um, like probably go sign a veteran. I mean, you already have Tyrod. I guess that's fine. Uh, or yeah. you can go, or you know, you could go and get a slightly better one if you want. Um, but yeah, this um, the Texans finished with four wins. Good for them. Probably more than I thought they were going to get. Yep. Um, and it seems like as of recording that David Culley is going to get it is going to get year two. Yeah, he he thinks he'll be going forward next year. So yeah. Um. So good for David Kelly. Good for the Texans. Good for Davis Mills. Uh, for having a nice showing here. And uh, the Titans clinched the one seed. By the way, we just didn't yep. talk about them there. Uh huh. Uh huh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Someone pointed out to me they have the worst. Um, I think it's whatever Football Outsiders uses as their main stat DVOA. They have the worst DVOA of a number one seed since the merger. So hell yes, we're 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 doing good. We're doing great here. Hell yeah, um, tighten the fuck up. <laughs> tighten the fuck up. Um, the road to the Super Bowl goes through Nashville, folks. Um, Jaguars twenty six, Colts eleven. <laughs> oh wow, this was oh. this was a transcendent football game. Um, uh-huh. Uh-huh. so. I consumed the 1 p.m. slate this week through Red Zone, and it was great because every time they cut back to Colts-Jags, it was something really stupid. Oh, it would yeah. be like, like, y- like you mostly missed Jonathan Taylor getting stuffed for like one yard, and you uh-huh. pretty and you pretty much just got Carson Wentz fumbling, throwing comically bad interceptions. I would like to read the drive chart. Oh please, oh. please. So. Jacksonville gets the ball first, and they score a touchdown. The Colts turn it over on downs. Then it goes punt, field goal, field goal, punt, field goal. So that ends the half 13-3 for Jacksonville. Um, The second half is where it really starts to sing here. Uh, Colts fumble, Jags field goal, Colts punt, Jags punt, Colts interception, Jags touchdown. A very nice touchdown pass from Trevor Lawrence to Marvin Jones there. Uh, Colts downs, Jags punt, Colts downs. Jags field goal, Colts <laughs> touchdown, Jags end of game. <sighs> it's um, so delicious. It's so good. Ja- I think that my favorite part of this game, which I guess I guess we should adequately set the table, the Colts were winning in. They had to beat the mm-hmm. shitty, terrible Jaguars. They were a 14-point favorite against them. Yeah. And there were fans with clown masks in the stands. Yep. Uh, during this game, um, there was a little quiz for a fan to answer and it was a like it was a trivia question it was done up on the scoreboard and there were three options of like different jags you know like players and it was it was a little like stats quiz and the woman answered d fire trent bulky um (laughs) so that is where jacksonville was going into this game the offense didn't even play well yeah i mean trevor lawrence actually did look pretty decent this game um yeah i mean marvin jones jr played okay i i there was just i think the one thing that stood out to me was how quickly the colts line was collapsing in on itself like a neutron star because of jacksonville's interior pressure like jonathan taylor 
as good as his vision is, he can't do... He can't... He can't just cut to the shadow realm and then spit out like 10 yards down the field. It'd be cool if he could, but he can't do that. So he's just getting stuffed all the time, and Carson Wentz isn't helping him because he's doing these terrible overthrows and throws into triple coverage. And hey, maybe the unvaccinated guy shouldn't have gotten COVID. Just saying. <laughs> uh, the Colts traded. Um, the Colts traded a first-round pick yep. for this performance out of Carson Wentz. Yep. yep. While the Eagles made the playoffs with yeah. Jalen Hurts, uh, I love that to death. Also, so the experience of watching this game was honestly so similar to the experience of watching the Jags Bills game that it hurt uh-huh. um <laughs> because like the Jags saved up all of their awesome defense for like two games um it was the Bills and the Colts the Jags have three wins this year all against winning teams love that for them yeah. um <laughs> seriously love that for them um so good it's so good, I, it's so I, good. I, and they get the number one pick too so yeah, they they fucked over the Colts and they didn't even suffer consequences for it. Um, there is, um, I have one thought that I want to leave this wonderful football game on. Um, mm-hmm. So in 2017, um, SB Nation did a series of retrospective articles about the 2007 college football season. Um, right. So they interviewed... Um, they did a big long article about I think um, one particularly bad bowl game. They did a article about like LSU where they interviewed several people involved. Uh, they also did an article about the Pitt West Virginia um, oh, last week Lord. of the season game, um, which uh-huh. if you don't know, West Virginia was basically win and in into the national title game. Basically, yep. Uh, they just had to beat the four and seven Pitt Panthers. <laughs> And they lost 13-9, to and Pitt fans will tell you about that game to this very day. Yep, just one of those all-time painful games. But uh, a quote that West Virginia fullback Owen Schmidt gave for that article has stuck with me for years and felt right to invoke here. And the quote is, And then you get to the last fucking game of the season and blow it against the shittiest fucking team in the fucking world. Anyway, um, <laughs> oh god, <laughs> fuck you, Colts. We are sending that Colts pack to the sky. Here's the That's fucked up right. thing, though. Here is the messed up thing: is that the Colts lost, but they still could have made it into the playoffs. Right. Um, right. So, in order to capitalize on the Colts losing to the Jaguars, the Steelers or Raiders had to find a way to win a extremely butt game. This game was thirteen to thirteen going into yep. overtime. Uh, there was a, there were fifteen combined punts in this game. Yeah, that yeah. There's there's nothing redeemable about this game at all. Uh, ben was slightly better than he was last week. Is that a compliment? I don't know. Might be. Either way, the Steelers managed to kick a field goal in overtime, and that means that the Steelers are provisionally in. Um, uh-huh. I wrote in my game notes, all Ray Ray McLeod has to drop that stupid fucking football in the rain on 4th and 8 and we wouldn't have to hear about stupid Big Ben ever again. Uh, I love Ray Ray McLeod. The Bills drafted him. He, he never really got a shot here. It makes me happy that he's got a shot in Pittsburgh. But, yeah, I really... I, I actually go back and forth on whether I think it's funnier to send Ben home here, or if it's funnier to force him to play an extra football game in his I, in his in his like very sad, pathetic state. 
I, I think it's only funny if he gets like Dan Marino'd in his last game where it's like 62 <laughs> to 7, which I'm not saying that it won't happen. I'm just saying it's the Chiefs that they're playing. Um, yeah, not, uh, so as of the 1 p.m. slot, the Colts who had to beat the Jags and get in are eliminated and the Steelers are alive. So we go to the 4 p.m. slate, uh, among the, uh, basically the 4 p.m. slate would decide, uh, who got the last NFC wildcard slot, who won the NFC West, and who won the AFC East. The Bills take down the Jets 27 to 10. This was a wretched, wretched game. I'm literally only bringing it up because the Bills punter, a man by the name of Matt Hawk, who I have bitched about all season, had the game from hell. Um, <laughs> how, where, where do I even begin on Matt Hawk's no good, very bad day? Um, so on his so first of all, I guess Matt Hawk had had not punted since week 15, I believe, just mm-hmm. because the Bills' offense has been humming lately. So we all forgot how 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 like bad he was. Um, his, his, his first punt is fine. It goes 42 yards. That's okay. His second punt. Okay. Oh God. Let me set this up. So Matt Hawk punts 28 yards to the Jets 48 yard line. Um, however, the long snapper for the bills initiates a fight. Um, (laughs) so there, so there, so there are offsetting penalties here and the, uh, the, Jets are pissed because they're like, he just kicked it 28 yards. He's going to do better the second time. He kicked it 21 yards on re-kick. Oh. oh. A horrifying shank. Oh. Um, so the Jets quickly capitalize on good field position and score, and the Bills go three and out. Matt Hawk punts 22 yards. Oh. Mm. Mm. Um. So what I'm hearing is the Bills are looking for another punter in the offseason. Uh, maybe. Um, so the next time Hawk gets his hands on the ball, it actually does go 49 yards. It's a perfectly acceptable kick. Uh, it's a touchback, which I think in, uh, it was very much a intentional touchback. And I think in that, like in that moment, it makes sense. Then he has a 53 yard punt. We're good. Then he goes to punt again. At this point, it's 13, it's, it's Bill's 13, Jets 7. Um, on this particular Matt Hawk punt, he fumbles the snap. He managed to he he manages to like to um to scoop up the ball, um and he does manage to get his to get it off his foot, uh it goes precisely nine yards. Um, oh 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 no that I could probably kick further than that. Yep, uh he finishes it off with a forty three yard punt for a absolute day from hell. <laughs> For Bill's left-footed punter, Matt Hawk, who they brought in because he's good at field goal holding, um, he punted <laughs> He punted seven times against the Jets uh, for 237 yards, averaging 33.9. Yeah, I just, oh. I, I, I had to highlight Matt Hawk's day from hell because it would go completely oh. unnoticed by anyone outside of the Buffalo who has been screaming about him all season. Um, so, yeah. The Bills I, I, won the I, AFC East, by the way. Yeah. Uh, well, they did good. And the Jets only had 53 total yards, which is apparently the lowest in franchise history. Yeah. Oh, God. Uh, the Jets had 53 yards. The Bills had 429, and it was a one-score game into the fourth quarter, I uh, I think. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was 13-10 Bills in the fourth quarter. 
because primarily of this absolutely ridiculous punting situation, but the Bills had 25 first downs and the Jets had four in it, and it was a it was a one score game into the fourth quarter. Fuck you, Mad Hawk. Okay, I got it out of my system. You good? You good? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think so. Um, All right, that's good. <laughs> Dolphins 33, Patriots 24. This is the kind of game where the Dolphins. Um, they, they, they go on a long scoring drive the first time they touch the ball and then they immediately get a pick six. And at this point, like the Patriots have to play from a negative game state, which is not how they're built. So the Dolphins kind of mostly smother them from there. The Patriots put up a couple of rushing touchdowns. Dolphins take a 24 to 10 lead, uh, into the fourth quarter. The Patriots make it 27-24, but there's a fumble return touchdown like at the very end of the game. The Dolphins finished the season 9-8. and eight. They swept the Patriots. Good for them. We love that. Yeah, they started 1-7. and seven. They won 8 out of their last 9. They went 4-2 and two within the division. Uh, those two losses are only to the eventual division champs. Um, so it seems like Miami um, has a decent foundation. You know, maybe they need to make a change at quarterback. But um, you'd certainly want to keep this coach around going forward. Yeah, certainly. You, you wouldn't do anything to jeopardize that. Yeah, you would want to keep everything uh, similar, keep the rebuild on path, especially because you tri- um, you uh, have been trying to rebuild this thing for, oh, I don't know, 20 years? 25 years? Yep. They- since about, yeah, since, uh, well, well, since since the Chad Pennington 2008 uh, team with Sp- Tony Sperano, yeah, pretty much. Um. So I'm sure that the Dolphins did the reasonable thing and uh, and uh, brought back Brian Flores. Uh, yeah. we'll, we will talk about Black Monday after we talk about these games. Um, either way, Bills win, Patriots lose. Both teams are in the playoffs, but the Bills win the AFC East. What's up? Back-to-back titles, baby. What's That's good? That's right. Um, we go on to the NFC games of note. For, so the game that was over, I think, the earliest was Seahawks 38, Cardinals 30. Um, this was a... This was... This was a little bit of a uh, strange game. Uh, so something we haven't talked about is that Rashad Penny is having a breathtaking finish to this yeah. season. Yeah. we. It's weird to me because this man has been in the league for four years. And I think, I think college people like me were expecting him to go on and be pretty good in the NFL. And, and he largely hasn't been. He, he was... It was, what, the third string back coming into the year? And yeah, and he had 193 yards on 23 carries. He's, he, like, I think yeah. I'm happy. I think I'm happy just because, like, it proves me right about Rashad Penny. But I, I do like to see him. I do like to see him getting, I do like to see him getting touches and getting on those and, and working very well in the Seahawks system that they may or may not have next year. Yeah. Rashad Penny finishes the season with 749 rushing yards. Um, Almost 700 of them come in the last five weeks of the season. Uh, In these last five games, he goes for 137 and and two touchdowns, um, 39 and no touchdowns against the Rams, but then 135 and one touchdown against the Bears, 170 and two touchdowns against the Lions, and then 190 and one touchdown against the damn Cardinals. Rashad Penny with a legendary finals... uh, final month of the season here but based on later events the cardinals merely had to win this game in order to win the nfc west and uh folks they didn't yeah this team went four and six in their last 10 games and 
I, I yeah. remember during the midseason we were talking about this team, like, who's going to challenge these guys? Like, they were clearly at the top. Like, we, if we had done a power ranking, say, say in mid-October, they would have been by far and away the number one team, and they're just, yep. they just sputtered down the stretch. Uh, yeah. Losing DeAndre Hopkins definitely didn't help. Uh, their, 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 like, leading receiver by far in this mm-hmm. game is the reanimated corpse of Zach Ertz. Um, <laughs> yep. Someone named Greg Dortch had two catches for five yards in this game huh. for the for the uh, Cardinals because they're down Rondell Moore currently. Um, anyway, Saints thirty, Falcons twenty. I know nothing about this game, and I frankly uh, do not care to find out. Yeah, yeah. There, there was there was nothing here. I mean, the Saints are up twenty four six at half. It wasn't close. Thank thank God we don't have to watch Trevor Simeon lead a team into a playoff game. Is all I'll say. <laughs> Yeah, um, so did they bench Taysom for poor No, Taysom or... got hurt in the late in late in the second quarter. Oh, okay. Simeon came in, and he came in in relief, and he was fine. He was, I mean, it's Trevor Simeon. What, are you, what else do you expect? Yeah, um, so with the Saints winning, the pressure is now on the 49ers. They have to beat the... 12 and 4 Rams in order to secure their playoff spot and folks it does not start out well. This first half for the damn 49ers is really rough. So the Rams started off with a 9 minute field goal drive. Love that mm-hmm. for them. That is like that is that is like so not Rams that I just love it. The Niners respond with a four-minute punt drive, and then the Rams go 12 plays, 61 yards, six minutes for a touchdown. Niners punt, Rams score a touchdown. 17-0, second quarter, Jimmy throws a pick. Um, the Niners squeak a field goal in at half, and now it's 17-3. And then the second er, and then the uh, second half happens. Long touchdown drive for the Niners, punt from the Rams. Long touchdown drive for the Niners. Matt Stafford throws one of his signature goofy interceptions. Um, yep. and then it is kind of stalemated 17-17 for a while uh, then towards the end of the game uh, Stafford hits Cooper Cup for a 4 yard touchdown Cooper Cup by the way finishes I think 17 yards short of Calvin Johnson's record um, thank goodness thank goodness thank- we did we, we, we solved racism everybody we did it <laughs> seriously it would have been a damn shame if Cooper Cup had beaten Calvin Johnson's receiving record um, so I mean Cooper Cup himself said that like I think he said um, he he said that seventeen game records shouldn't be compared to sixteen game records, which I feel like he had to say just to like preempt people being mad at him if he you know if he did manage to do it. Um, yeah. So you know, I guess some credit to him said what he had to say. So the Niners get the ball back down seven uh, with like a minute and a half left in the game. Uh, and they work their way downfield mm-hmm. very quickly. Jawan Jennings, Debo Samuel. Yes, yes, Jawan Jennings. Oh my God, Jawan Jennings. Yes. yes, I have been waiting for an opportunity to talk about Jawan Jennings. I love this man. He is by far and away one of my favorite Vols of all time. This dude is so fucking mean, and he plays so fucking. He's just so. I don't know. He's just so magnetic, and he just runs over people, and he's such a physical receiver, and I love this guy to death, and I'm happy he balled out on this kind of stage. It delights my fucking heart. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, no. Gosh, are you kidding me? That was that was wonderful. Juwan Jennings did have a 
excellent clutch uh, few plays on this fucking mm-hmm. drive. Yep. Jimmy leads him down the field. Uh, he hits Debo. He hits Juwan Jennings several times. And then 14-yard touchdown pass to Juwan Jennings from Jimmy. Tie, ties the game up with, I think, literally 26 seconds left to go. Yeah. Yep. Um, so the Niners win the overtime coin toss. And they immediately go on, I think, the like most dickish drive you can go on without ending the game. Which <laughs> they... They go seven minutes, fifteen seconds, and then kick a field goal. So now the Rams basically have to do a two-minute drill in order to like keep the game alive and even like force a tie. So Matt Stafford does the Matt Stafford thing, where he pushes way too hard. He throws deep for Odell Beckham, um, and the rookie um, uh, Ambry Thomas picks off uh, Matt Stafford along the sideline. And the Niners basically make the playoffs on a walk-off interception. So that was a pretty, pretty like, awesome yeah. comeback from them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, going 88 yards in 90 seconds is... To tie the game is so... I mean, I think Jimmy G has... Uh, I mean, Jimmy G's definitely had his um, had his doubters this year. And and for good reason, because he, he's... He's fine. He's fine. I mean, I know I want to see Trey Lance too, but he did the job. Yeah. Threw for over 300 yards. Uh, Debo Samuel threw, uh, threw a touchdown in mm-hmm. this game. He finishes the season. I just want to read some of these numbers because they are brilliant, and then we'll get on to Raiders Chargers. Um, Debo Samuel finishes the season with 77 receptions for 1,405 yards and six touchdowns. Also... Adding 59 carries for 365 yards and eight touchdowns on the ground. Yep. Yeah. And throwing yeah. for a touchdown in the last week of the season. Yeah. Yeah. I I love I love how they used him because he he was he was that multi talented at South Carolina and I'm glad that Kyle Shanahan said, well, we can use him like this too here. Yeah. Um. So, Niners are in. Saints are out. Thank you, Jimmy G, for saving us from Trevor Simeon in the playoffs. But we go to Sunday Night Football, Raiders, Chargers. Oh, um, Lord. So at, so at this point, the three possible outcomes of this game are the Raiders win and the Chargers are eliminated. The Chargers win and the Raiders are eliminated. Or, or, or. they could tie and both make it in the playoffs. Um. Yep. Oh lord, where do we even fucking start with this game? I... Um, you mentioned that you have two entire pages of notes for this thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I think, I think the Raiders got out to a ten nothing lead early, and their run game was working. Josh Jacobs obviously can run downhill pretty well, and the Chargers cannot stop the run at all. Yeah, and their throws to the intermediate and short passing game are pretty good. It, it just. So it looks like the Chargers are going to go into half with a 14-10 lead. Um, however, on a third and 23 play after a grounding penalty, the Raiders get close enough with a halfback draw for a first down, and then on a second down bomb to the end zone, the fucking spot foul PI that I hate so goddamn much gets called. And yeah. Then, and then we get a short Josh Jacobs plunge into the end zone, and the Raiders have a 17-14 lead at half. So, yeah. Oh, God. Okay. So we get to halftime. The Chargers miss a field goal. Very, very... Chargers, never stop being the Chargers. <laughs> never. The Raiders punt, and then the Chargers do something very interesting. 
Um, this is in all caps in my notes, and there's ha 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 for like a page. They go for it on fourth and one from their own eighteen. This isn't, folks. <laughs> this is not smart analytical decision making. This is this is Brandon Staley being here to gamble. This uh-huh. is Brandon Staley saying fuck it. You want to know the fucked up thing though? The Chargers went for four. The Chargers went for it on fourth down seven times in this game and this was the only one they missed yeah they they made the other six um either way this was a this was a baffling decision they should have just let herbert throw it this offense by the way just absolutely neuters herbert in like in like the worst way possible Mm -hmm. like they ask him to throw all these like screens and like underneath routes and it's just brutal yeah and and they have the offense to go deep because mike williams is a really good deep ball catcher and they have Josh Palmer, who I watched here at Tennessee. He's a pretty fast receiver, and obviously they have Keenan Allen, too. I mean, you just... They have the receivers to go deep. They just don't. Yeah. Um, the Raiders do nothing with the short field but kick a field goal. Chargers punt it. The Raiders go on a long, just soul-crushing drive here. Just a whole lot of throws to, like, oh, yep, here we go. We got Brian Edwards. We got Fabian <laughs> Moreau. Um, just a whole lot of, like, bleh. Um, they used Marcus Mariota, like, more uh-huh. than I thought they would in, yep. like, read option packages. Uh, so he picks up a chunk on this drive. Capped off with a Hunter Renfro touchdown. Uh, they go for it, or they go for two. They don't get it. So now it's 26-14. Herbert immediately throws a damn pick. Raiders <laughs> kick a field goal. So now it's 29-14. 29-14 with, like, oh, eight minutes left in the game. It's over. The Raiders are going to the playoffs. And then, they're not. Um, So, they had to score a touchdown and a two-point conversion to make it 29-22. We had a tuck rule happen before the last drive of the game for the Chargers. I wanted to to get that in there. I I, I just, I needed to get that in there. Um, Justin Herbert is going through it on this last touchdown drive. There's no time to throw. He's picking grass out of his helmet. But... You know, they're getting these third and fourth down conversions like nobody's business. Um, They drive down the field. Justin Herbert squeezes a ball into the tightest of windows to Mike Williams for a touchdown on the last play of the game. Uh, We have a tie ball game at 29 apiece, and we go to overtime. I just want to stress that on the last drive, Justin Herbert converted three fourth and tens. Yeah. Yeah. This drive is hilarious because... It's 19 plays in two minutes. Mm-hmm. Like, literally, this this entire drive was Justin Herbert throwing for three incomplete passes and then converting fourth down. That was the entire drive. Every single, every single play on this drive was either first, first and ten, second and ten, third and ten, or fourth and ten. It is the <laughs> most bizarre shit I've ever seen in my life. Oh, God. Um, Herbert was either picking up first downs or throwing the ball incomplete. There was nothing underneath. There was it, yeah. it was it was it was awesome. Um, yeah, and the receivers were fucking dog tired from having to run deep every single route too. Like yeah. that was the other thing I noticed. Like Lord. So the Raiders win the overtime coin toss, which turns out to be very key. They don't do much of anything here. They run the ball. Josh Jacobs pops off for several long runs. They don't really try and pass. Like they hit Zay Jones for seven here. But Daniel Carlson, Daniel Carlson kicks a 40-yard field goal. Now, at this point, well, I guess all game, people have been hollering about the tie. Yeah. 
Yep. And all week. And all week. All week. It's been... All week it's been discussed. Uh, when will... You know, we, we talked about it as a meme that they would kneel down. I mean, obviously that wasn't going to happen because these are two of the... Um, you know, this is a sport played by the most competitive human beings on planet Earth, so they're not yeah. going to... They're not going to let that get in the way of like their pride and they want to win and everything like that. But I think at some point we were kind of thinking, well, at what point do they just say, okay, we're in overtime. Yeah. Fuck we're it. in overtime. What happens here? Like, let's, let's tie the game. We'll both get out as winners and we'll both end up happy. Um, but yeah. So the chargers get the ball after the Raiders field goal. Eh, some incomplete passes, nothing. Nothing crazy. Yeah, they did have Jared Cook um, on a long pass that got negated by an illegal man downfield call. Thank God they fucking called illegal man downfield on an RPO, by the way. (laughs) Yeah. Mike Williams uh, is hit for 47 yards. That's wonderful. Either way, the drive fizzles out, and Dustin Hopkins kicks a 41-yard field goal, leaving us tied with four and a half minutes to go. Oh, Jesus. The tie is in play. The Raiders get the ball, and they actually move in chunks at the beginning of the drive. They hit Brian Edwards for 17, Jacobs up the middle for 7. Zay, um, Derek Carr hits Zay Jones for 11 to cross midfield. At this point, the Raiders are on the edge of field goal range. And the clock just starts ticking down. Yep, it's running down. Uh, It's running down. It is fucking happening. Josh Jacobs, left guard, negative one yard. They take an entire 40 seconds off the clock here. Josh Jacobs, left tackle for seven. uh, Sets up a third and four from the Chargers, 39. Both teams are very content to leave the clock running. A brief, hesitant alliance, I would say, is Uh formed between the Raiders and Chargers in this moment. Yep. And then Brandon Staley calls a timeout. Oh, God. So I, I... I did a whole entire analysis of this because what Brandon Staley said is he wanted to get his personnel out there for the run. Um, and I think it, I think it's, I think it's imperative now to go over what exactly the situation was. So the Raiders are in 11 personnel on a shotgun. So there's one back, one tight end. There's a tight end to the field. That tight end is probably going to motion to the strong side to to probably uh, give Josh Jacobs a little more blocking on the edge for like some sort of inside zone concept. Um, so the pass strength is 3-2 on the opposite side that Jacobs would run towards. The Chargers personnel is this. It's a 4-2-5. Derwin James at nickel is going to be the force player on the edge. Staley, Staley takes this timeout, but you have six run defenders for six... You have six run defenders for six offensive linemen and a tight end, basically. Like, you count the tight end as a blocker. Darwin James would have had to work to get the force, but he's also a very good player at the line of scrimmage. So I think he could have made that tackle if it had come to that. But what they did afterwards, the Chargers ended up going with five defensive linemen. It didn't fucking help them at all, by the way. Um... Josh Jacobs gained 10 yards on the play after the timeout, and the Raiders end up in field goal range after mm-hmm. looking like they were going to run down the clock. Yeah, um, I like the Raiders are at are in like such 
a interesting position because they're basically at a point where it's like, well, if we get stuffed here, we can just run out the clock. Who cares? But if Josh Jacobs picks up 10 yards, let's try the fucking field goal. Who cares? And Daniel Carlson, who is a absolutely nails kicker, he still has not missed in Allegiant Stadium, which they brought up a billion times on the fucking broadcast. Um, just a bit. He's a he is a great kicker. He's been great since Auburn. He hits a 47 yarder to give the Raiders the win. Send the Raiders to the playoffs um, for only the second time since 2002. Uh, and wow. to send the Chargers home. God damn. This game, yeah. um, this is possibly one of the best regular season games I've ever seen. Justin Herbert is incredible, and he does not get to play in the playoffs. Um, yep. Instead we, get to watch, instead, we get to watch Big Ben get absolutely throat-fucked by Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. So, that's fine. Which is, which is a different kind of viewing pleasure um (laughs) yep oh lord um Uh, so as is tradition after the last week of the nfl season we have black monday it was a relatively uneventful black monday i think partially because we already had two coaches out before the season ended we only had four firings on black monday itself um and three of them were completely expected one of them was out of left field um yep so I kind of arranged these in order from most understandable to least understandable. So I'm going to start with the Jaguars firing Urban Meyer several weeks ago. <laughs> we talked about this at length. Yeah. Um, we don't need to go over this again, but yeah. Um, the Jags, I don't think we know that much about their head coach search. Um, it seems like they're interested in Dan Quinn. Eh. Uh, they've interviewed yeah. Jim. They've interviewed Jim Caldwell. Yeah. I feel... Um, yeah. I, uh, so I have put down my own personal pick for each of these openings. I feel like if the Jags end up with Bucks defensive coordinator, former Jets head coach Todd Bowles, I think that would be pretty great. Um, Todd Bowles yeah. is a he's a very steady coach. Um, he's very calm, collected. Uh, he's extremely competent. He's like maybe the most like capital C competent coach that I can imagine. I think he would do fine here. Alternatively, let's say that hypothetically, for whatever reason, Brian Flores might be looking for a new head coaching job. I don't know why that would be, um, I, but I think, if, <laughs> I think if Jacksonville ended up with Brian Flores, uh, you know, I think that would be pretty good for them. I don't know if that would be where Brian, Flo- you know, uh, wants to go, but I think that would be interesting. I, I think my only thing with this job is... You have to find some sort of offensive coordinator that can develop Trevor Lawrence in Definitely. the way that he deserves. Because that that's the only thing. If you're a defensive coach, find an offensive coordinator that you know is going to develop him very well and fits fits that system and stick with it. I could definitely see them going for a Brian Dable figure here just in order to get like the supposed QB whisperer. Um, I have no idea how well, I I have no idea how Brian Dable would do as an NFL head coach. Um, as a Bills fan, I don't know. I know that I'm annoyed with his play calling, but he's never been a head coach. So who knows? John Gruden resigns as, as, as head coach of the Raiders. This was months ago now. We all know about this. We've talked about it. I feel like after a wonderful finish to the season for the Raiders, winning their last four, getting into the playoffs as the five seed, the Raiders might just keep Rich Bisaccia. Yeah. The interim head coach. Yep. And and it's like I told you I, in the pre-show, 
first head coach since uh, first interim head coach since 1961 to uh, lead his team to the playoffs. Um, I feel like I feel like this is a potential Jim Harbaugh spot if they do end up making the change, but I don't think they yeah. should. I I don't think they should. They 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 actually rallied pretty well um, once they got the uh, once they got the Gruden out of them and Masaccia. Yeah. Yeah, Visaccia rallied this team pretty well, and I think you got to give him next year at least. I mean, that that yeah, seems reasonable to me. So yeah, yeah. Just, yeah, like give him a second interim season. See what he can do. If you know, if it's a fucking disaster, you can rebuild next year. Why not? So the Bears fired Matt Nagy. We've known this was coming for over a year. Justin Fields had a hail mary chance to save his job if he had a brilliant season, and they made the playoffs again. Um, no, that did not happen. I don't have much to say about the firing. I think it was a good call. Matt Nagy is bleh. He's probably going to be an offensive coordinator somewhere, and I don't love that. I will say that there has been persistent smoke that Ryan Day is being considered for this job. Um, <laughs> I can see it. I can see it. Um, Ryan Day seems like he would be a competent NFL head coach. I, I, I mean, he's only been a college head coach for fucking... A few years. Yeah, like, I I don't know. I mean, feels a little too soon for an NFL job, but I think he'd be okay at it. So I, I don't have any problem with that. So, yeah. Ryan Day, uh, when uh, when Rabel was hired by the Titans back in 2018, uh, Ryan Day was his first pick to be the Titans' offensive coordinator. Instead, they go and get LaFleur, and obviously LaFleur ends up going to Green Bay immediately, but... uh. Yeah, so Ryan Day has had NFL interest before, so I could see it. Otherwise, I think they'll probably, eh, I don't know, like they they have requested to interview literally all of the head coaching candidates that I can think of. Like they've <laughs> requested Brian Dable, Leslie Frazier, Nathaniel Hackett, um, Todd Bowles. They've asked for everyone, so I don't really know what the Bears are going to do, but that's interesting. The Vikings hire Mike Zimmer, uh, or fire Mike Zimmer. We love Mike Zimmer here. We stand a petty king. It was time. Yeah, yeah, it was. I mean, they did not make the playoffs. What three of the last four seasons? Um, yeah, something and, like that. Yeah, I, I, yeah, this team wasn't going anywhere. Um, but you know, Mike Zimmer did build this team back up into a respectable team each year, and I, I think that's. I think that's a commendable job. I, I just think that it's funny that Lane Kiffin is getting any smoke for this job whatsoever, and I need to see that. But I don't think that will be the move, obviously. So, I would assume that Lane Kiffin somehow getting brought up by a PFF dork for the Vikings opening is probably Jimmy Sexton um, uh-huh. grinding, hustling every day of the week, trying to get another raise out of Ole Miss. Fucking, somehow. fucking Jimmy Sexton. Assuming the Vikings do not hire Lane Kiffin, I think offense is the way to go. They haven't had a offensive head coach since fucking uh, Brad Childress. I think it's time to go get time to go get someone young. Uh, I put down Kellen Moore. You could make an argument for literally any of the offensive coordinators who are going to be mentioned. Um, it seems like enemy isn't really being mentioned for openings anymore. But sure. sure. Yeah, I do, I don't know. Like I feel like last season he was mentioned more than this year, which I don't really understand, but. Yeah, I feel. Um, I feel like I feel like the enemy actually could be a Jags candidate too, but that that's also, I'm not sure about that. Yeah, um, I think as long as the Vikings go get someone 
on the offensive side of the ball, they'll be fine. Kellen Moore, sure. The Broncos fire Vic Fangio. Um, there is no longer Vic representation in the NFL, as far as I know. We used to have used to have Vic Beasley, and now we've lost Vic Fangio, who will immediately get a job as a defensive coordinator somewhere because he's a genius at that. He was a less successful head coach. <laughs> Just a um, little bit. Three-year stint in Denver. Uh, his team has never, like, honestly, he would have been fine if he managed to find a quarterback. Just never managed to do it. His defenses were good. Um, the The personnel on both sides of the ball outside of quarterback are pretty damn great, um, at least on paper. Like, I feel like they've done a good job of drafting. Um, but Vic Fangio, it was probably time. Three years, didn't really show much. Quarterback never improved. Need to go get a new guy. They have been... So, as far as candidates that I've seen them linked to, they're, uh, they are requesting to interview um, Gerard Mayo, the Patriots linebackers yeah! coach. Yeah I, know, yeah, I know who Gerard Mayo is because, I again... We are we are going on the Tennessee alum tour in this one. Um, yeah, Gerard right. Mayo, very good linebacker with the Patriots, and from what I've heard, nothing but rave reviews for him as the linebackers coach. So he uh, he has only been a coach for a few years, um, but either way, he's going to be interviewed at least. Um, I put down Packers offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett here just because he's part of the Shanahan crime family, and it just <laughs> it just feels right for Denver to have that offense it like it feels like they've had it forever I mean they kind of have because Mike Shanahan yeah. was there for a while and then they went and got Kubiak Pat Shermer was there for a few years and he's very much part of that particular crime family too um, <laughs> so yeah I put down Hackett uh he was a disaster as the Bills offensive coordinator years and years ago but uh three years around Aaron Rodgers has completely turned around that particular um horrible uh stint yep. so I feel weird about it, but I think he'll probably get a job at some point here. And sure, send him to Denver. That's fine. Um, yeah. So the Dolphins fired Brian Flores. <laughs> um. Yeah. Apparently, he pissed off a lot of people. Um. Pissed off a <laughs> Everyone. ton of people. Yeah. Yeah, and he wanted to move on from Tua, which I actually agree with, but the owner didn't agree with. So if the man who's yeah. writing your checks don't agree with you, you're gone. So he's out. Yeah. Uh, he was, um, Tua was very much the ownership pick at quarterback. It seems like the coaching staff never loved him. Flores was doing all the goofy shit last year with Tua and Fitz and pulling them in and out of very important games during a, um, during a possible playoff run. Yeah. Um, I feel like he should have kept his job, but there's also been enough weird stuff about Flores' tenure that like, yeah, I get it, but like. Yeah. There's, there's, there's no universe in which Brian Flores gets fired and Joe Judge keeps his job. Like that doesn't make any no sense. Ju- no just universe, anyways. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> Matt, uh, Matt Rule keeps his job despite the Panthers being a total fucking clown show. Um, uh, so I- yeah, Joe Judge, Matt Rule keep their job. Mediocre white men stay employed brian flores gets fired uh i predict that he will rebound i think he'll get one of these jobs i don't know which one i think he'll get one of these jobs yeah i I actually think the jags would be a good yeah i mean i think the jags would be a good pick obviously i i mean any of these i think would work i i just i hope that if he does have some sort of caustic personality issue that he does work on it a little bit because he got five wins out of a Dolphins team that probably should have been 0-16. Yeah. 
Like, I remember that team. We were talking about them. This team may go 0-16. They were just terrible. And, you know, he squeezed a lot. He squeezed a lot of juice out of them grapes. I'll say it like that. Absolutely. Um, he, he definitely got a lot of wins out of this roster. And his defense, two years in a row, was awesome. So I think, at the very least, he should be sought over as a defensive coordinator. I think he'll get a job, though. Uh, I put down... Uh, Brian Dable, the Bills offensive coordinator for this job. Uh, you get to dick over a division rival um, and possibly get a QB guy if you, like, if what it seems like they're going to do is uh, cling to Tua, um, then you might as well get Brian Dable, even though Tua and Josh Allen could not be more different quarterbacks if you tried to create no. polar opposite quarterbacks. Nope. Um, I could see the I could see the thought process going that way. Uh, I have no idea if Dable's going to get a job in this coaching cycle. He's had kind of a, he's had an up and down year, I would say. Uh, yeah, I can I can tell from the Bills fans on my feed that uh, they either want him executed or just merely spared for another week or two. Every week, and this has been the case pretty much ever since he's gotten the job back in back in twenty eight uh, twenty eighteen. Every week has either been a fire Dable week or a extend Dable week. It is always one of the two. Um, he it is it is very Gus Malzahn in that way. So uh, you know we've been talking for a while, but it turns out that there was another football game that happened last night. Please God, uh, Katie, Katie, I'm I'm I, I I I I'm here to say this. As a unbiased uh, college football fan, really without allegiance of any kind, other than to uh-huh. Tennessee, go Vols. Um, That's right. This game was boring for the first three and a half quarters, but it was a banger. Let me tell you that. After that, once these teams learned that you could score touchdowns, this game was fun as shit. I have watched every national title game since Nebraska beat the shit out of us in 1997. And this is the stupidest one of them all. Uh, I... I think I'll start by saying this. Georgia definitely learned some mistakes that they had made from the SEC title game. There were a lot more five and six man pressures on Bryce Young. Like he, he was fading back off his back foot throw. There were a lot, there was a lot less in the way of being able to sit back in the pocket and just try and find those, um, try to find those post routes or those uh, go routes deep. He had to throw a lot of um, he had to throw a lot of underneath routes, a lot of shallow routes, a lot of a lot a lot of precision routes where you need where you need to be able to thread the ball in there. And some of those throws he had to make side with his sidearm, but I it just they learned they learned their lesson. Uh, even still, it looked like Alabama had the better measure of Georgia for a long while. Uh, it was it was six to nine at half. Nice, sure, why not? Um, <laughs> I think this game really did change though when Jamison Williams went out because he hit Definitely. that post. Yeah, he hit that post route. It was middle field open, and Bryce Young was able to see it, threw it to him. Well thrown, well identified, well caught, and then Jamison Williams probably tears his fucking ACL. Like, oh, uh, it was it was so brutal to watch. It's just. Yeah. It's just one of those, like, horrifying non-contact knee injuries where it's mm-hmm. even worse than, like, God. not Non-contact knee injuries are just the worst. Like, yeah. Because he, he just immediately starts grabbing that knee, and it's yep. it's brutal. Yeah, yeah. He, he made a little cut. He made a little cut, and it just fucked his knee up. I, I hate to see that. Um, and without Jameson Williams, 
Alabama has no deep threat anymore. Their, their best receiver is fucking Slade Bolden. And Slade Bolden is not a bad slot receiver, but you're not really going to... What they had been doing most of the year is running him underneath and having him catch these little out routes and these little pivot routes. And you can't really run him deep. The guys that they did have running deep uh, couldn't catch the ball for shit. It, it just... It, it, it was an offense that was disorganized for a long time. Meanwhile, Georgia wasn't exactly doing better. Stetson Bennett was fucking terrified for the first 10 or 15 minutes of that game. He was running around for his life. Alabama was able to get pressure on him. Uh, Will Anderson was able to do it. Um, a lot of t- stunts and twists. They got C- Christian Anderson involved in it, too. It, it, it truly looked like Georgia was not going to be able to move the football at all. And then... They hit one big play to George Pickens. Uh, this was, it was off a little, it was actually a fun little play because it was basically a pin and pull uh, sweep, but they had George Pickens over the top and they threw it to him and it was an amazing play. But, but you know, we get to the second half. Alabama's able to run the ball a little bit, but so is Georgia. Georgia Georgia says, fuck this shotgun pass shit. We're going to line up under center. We're going to tell Stetson Bennett to hand off the football to James Cook and Zamir White and <laughs> They, they, they run it down Alabama's throat. They start to get pushed up front. Alabama, Alabama kind of does the same thing. They had Brian Robinson going for a little bit. I think I think one of the other big turning points is Alabama's drive in the third quarter where Whew. they're driving. They look like they're they look like they're about to just bust this game wide open. There's mm-hmm. a lot there's a lot of runs by Brian Robinson up the middle where they're just they're collapsing this defense in. But but Georgia holds, and Alabama has to kick field goal. Field goal gets blocked by Jalen Carter, their other freakishly big and freakishly quick nose tackle. Mm-hmm. He, blo- he blocks the kick. Georgia gets new life. It it, it ends up it, it ends up with Georgia leading thirteen to nine after uh, in the fourth quarter, and then shit just starts to get really, really fucking stupid. Um, oh yeah. Um, wait. So Katie, you're telling me that a Nick Saban team? Um, had weirdness <laughs> with uh with the uh field goal unit. You're telling yeah. me something went wrong there. I, I think I, I almost think Nick Saban wanted to win this game 15 to 13 just to prove a point with like five field goals. <laughs> I, I I feel like I feel like that would have been in Nick Saban's constitution. The fourth quarter was so weird, and I think the first thing we have to talk about is is Stetson Bennett gets. Stetson Bennett has to scramble out of the pocket. He gets hit. He tries to throw the ball forward. The ball, like, slips out of his hand just before it starts to go forward. Yeah. Alabama's player basically picks this ball up very nonchalantly with no room on the sideline left. And it's rolled a fumble. And Alabama has the ball deep in Georgia territory. This was the most brilliant accidental fumble recovery that I've ever seen. Like, yeah. Brian Branch is the player who recovered it. He did not think that he was recovering a fumble. He just, yep, he just very nonchalantly, like, picked it up, much like you would, so that way you could hand it to the fucking ref. And yeah. The placement of his foot was such that if, if he had, like, accidentally placed it one, like, literally, like, maybe, like, five <laughs> millimeters more forward... <laughs> yeah. He might have been out of bounds. Yeah. Um, also, kind of a bullshit fumble. Yeah, kind of. I, I think... I don't know. I, I think the fumble call was probably right. I, I don't... It was such a weird bang-bang play that I can't really judge either way. I probably would have called it an incomplete pass on the field, but 
Yeah. I think it was a fumble looking at it. Um, but anyways, Alabama, they have a short field. They drive the ball. They end up they end up scoring a touchdown. It's 18 to 13. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and and it looks like that Alabama is going to win on some baby back bullshit. Uh-huh. The last 8 minutes of the game, Georgia's offense finally starts to take off. Their pat their running game really starts to get going. They wear Alabama's defense straight out like Phil Darian Mathis wanted to run away. Like that like that man looked like he was facing cannonball fire in the Civil War. Georgia's offense, their run game, they were able to pound the ball inside with power and inside zone and counter and all that shit. And also their pass game started to get going too because what happened was these play-action passes that Georgia had been running the entire year off of these under-center play fakes finally started to work. The So the first touchdown that they score is the dime, the 40-yard touchdown you. pass. Bennett, Stetson Bennett drops it in to Adonai Mitchell uh, from 40 yards out. Uh, this was a free play. It's probably the only reason that Stetson took this shot. Yep. Um, and, yeah, uh, Stetson, who, he, you know, Stetson can, uh, he yeah. can throw a deep ball. Yeah, he, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, he's, he's got an arm. I'm not saying he doesn't have an arm. I'm just saying they don't really use it that much, and it's, he's a little inconsistent, but, yeah, like, he hits that dime pass, and then he hits the throw to Brock Bowers, and it's 26-18, mm-hmm. and Alabama has the ball with, I believe, a little over two minutes to go, and yeah. Alabama drives. I mean, these are dink and dunk passes. They're nothing, nothing, nothing here is threatening Georgia's defense deep in any way because of said injuries to Jamison Williams and John Mechie, but then Bryce Young throws the backbreaker interception. They gets returned for a touchdown. Kirby Smart is yelling at his guy, like, fall down, fall down. And his guy was like, fuck that shit. I'm running this bitch in for a touchdown in the national title game to seal this shit. (laughs) Fuck that. Um, And Georgia wins 33-18. I'm so so unhappy at this fucking result. Oh, come come um, on, Katie. Have some fun. Um, No. (laughs) College football isn't fun. It's miserable. (laughs) Um, okay, let me let me try and explain why I think this game is fun. First of all, okay. Georgia's defense, certified fun. You have so many cool players. You have Nicobe Dean flying around, making awesome plays. Georgia's secondary stepped up in this game for, like, they the did. first, which is, like, the number one thing that we weren't sure if they could do, right? But their defensive front was awesome. They were actually putting pressure on Bryce Young. Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter up the middle are just playing out of their minds. I yeah. love watching this Georgia defense. Um, it is about as joyous as crushing defense can get, I think. But beyond that, fucking Stetson Bennett threw a threw a forty yard touchdown in a game that, after he fumbles and Bama scores, people are like, "It's over. Georgia yep. can't do anything." And then two touchdown drives. Also, um, I think really with college football, I just want things to be a little bit different. And obviously, I like, Georgia. I don't like it when Georgia is the different one, though. Like Clemson, I can handle, but Georgia, no. Yeah, um, I mean, we're all gonna get sick of Georgia shit immediately. Um, but I already am. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, that's fair. But like, this is this is Georgia's first title in forty-one years. Uh-huh. Um, 
we oh. no longer get to make fun of how many days it's been since Georgia has won a national championship. Oh. We no longer... We don't get that joke anymore, uh, which is a little unfortunate, but... Um, <laughs> I hate <yeah>. this. <laughs> I, oh. Katie, I, Katie, I am sorry um, that you are losing trash-talking points with Georgia fans. I hate um, this. I, I yeah. hate... I, I hate if if a Georgia if anyone from the state of Georgia tells me about like their sports curse again, I'm gonna punch him in the fucking throat. Yes, I, I think you are god. justified in that. I, I swear to fucking god. Okay, do you know like how many fucking table scraps I have to fight for? My team gets fucking jobbed in the Music City Bowl. That's what that's what we do nowadays. <laughs> I'm so fucking mad. I, I like I am so fucking salty at this result. I would have, I would have rather Bama won it because I at least Bama always wins. Okay, that that that's just natural. That that, that that's like, like, like that that's like rain. Okay, that's just natural. You can't stop that from happening. Georgia, no. Georgia winning is terrible. It's no good. Nobody likes it. I'm in hell. Fuck this sport. I liked it. It was fun. Um, I don't know, like. I like as like so before the game as we were talking about this I was talking about how I thought it was cool just because I like a lot of like Georgia's individual players I really like when I really like that the national title winning quarterback is some dipshit who's never gonna play in the NFL I love that dearly I don't know maybe he'll end up in a training camp this season but I kind of doubt it um I just um when talking about this in the pre-show I said, you know, like, I think I'm, like, pretty happy for, like, Georgia fans and all that. And Katie just immediately said, you don't live with these people. And that's true. <laughs> that is very true. I will say that um, living in Buffalo, if Penn State won a national championship, I would be fucking miserable. Because Penn, uh-huh. Penn State people are all, are like, you'd be shocked how many Buffalo people went to Penn State. I would be fucking miserable if that happened. Um, so I, I understand. I want to fucking die. Um, uh, the game was huh? fun though. Uh, Brock Bowers is so cool. Stetson Bennett is so goofy. Delight in everything that is strange. No, that's not strange. Georgia winning isn't strange. It's terrifying. It's like the fucking. It's like the moon in Majora's Mask. Make it stop. Katie, you are valid. You, uh, you are, you are, you are seen. You are heard. I am hearing you. But also, I thought it was fun. I'm gonna get to the AP Top 25 before. Yeah, yeah. Why don't we talk about the AP Top 25? Okay, okay. Last Top 25 of the year, Georgia gets all 61 first place votes. They're the national champion. Alabama at two, Michigan at three, Cincy at four. There's no big surprise there. Baylor at five. Ohio State at 6, Oklahoma State at 7, Notre Dame at 8, 9, Michigan State, 10, Oklahoma. There's really nothing here that's, like... Yeah. There's no, there's nothing here that we haven't already seen before. Um, Clemson finishes 14th. That's interesting to me. Um, Louisiana, Air Raging Cajuns finish 16th. Houston finishes 17th. Kentucky 18th. BYU 19th. Um, Utah State finishes 24th. It's... It's an interesting year. Um, yeah. yeah, I I did not see that Utah climbed its way up into the rankings, but I like that. Um, 
UAB got a top 25 vote this week. I think yep. that's funny. Um, I, I don't know why, but I like it. Um, I the hell knows? I will say, though, that there is a very funny ACC sandwich here um, in which Pitt is 13th, Clemson is 14th, and Wake is 15th. The three traditional ACC powers, Pitt, Clemson, and Wake Forest. Um, I don't know. Katie, what did you think about this year? It sucked. Can we move on to next year? <laughs> um, at le- at I will le- say at that least, at least Tennessee's supposed to be pretty good next year, so fuck it. Yeah. Uh, Katie, we're gonna go win that SEC East. We're gonna do right. it. Our balls. Right. We got it. Josh Hype right. coming back. He's got the boys juiced up. We got another year of Hendon Hooker growing, maturing. It's all gonna be fine. That's right. College football, I think, is out of the American sports. It is the best sport at completely disappearing during the yep. offseason. Yep. There is nothing that's going to happen until the spring games, and even then you don't really care about those. Um, our next football game, by the way, the next FBS game is Northwestern Nebraska on August 27th, but it's not just any Northwestern Nebraska game. Oh, no. It's in Dublin, Ireland. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Why are we exporting that shit? I, Didn't those teams combine for, like, four wins this year or something like that? Um, I'm Maybe sure. five? Maybe. Yeah, probably. I mean, it, it, it's like when the NFL used to do preseason games in Germany. Like, oh, wow. I'm sure the people of Berlin loved watching fucking J.T. O'Sullivan try and throw, like, two-yard slant routes to someone. Like, yeah. Yeah, that'll get them interested. <laughs> Um, actually, uh-huh. just real quick, very off topic. J.T. O'Sullivan has an excellent YouTube channel. He does. Um, he does. That's the only reason I thought of. Him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I um, watch it a lot. So yeah, check it out. Uh, J.T. O'Sullivan is the guy who finally managed to get me to like understand coverages. So shout out to J.T. Oh. O'Sullivan. Um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. So let's talk about some fucking uh, playoff games already. <laughs> Yeah, um, there is, so unfortunately, uh, Katie does not get to watch her team play this week, or I guess fortunately, because it means that they get to play next week, um, possibly yeah. with Derrick Henry. Yeah, I, I would say there's a pretty good chance Derrick Henry will be back, but we'll see about it. So, uh, let's go chronological here. This is, uh, we have a Monday night game this week. I, I really hate that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. But Playoff games should not be on Monday, but yeah. We have on Saturday the the first playoff game, four thirty. Uh, this is a NBC game. This is Raiders at Bengals. The five seed Raiders taking on the four seed Bengals. Um, Katie, when was the last time the Cincinnati Bengals won a playoff game? I don't think I was born yet. It had to have been eighty nine. Uh, I believe you were born. It was ninety one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was. I I, I so... was shitting my pants. I was I was barely. <laughs> I was probably barely like eight months old. Yeah, um, goddamn. Uh, yeah, the Bengals have not won a playoff game in 30 years. Uh, when was the last time the Raiders won a playoff game, Katie? 2002? Yep. Uh, the last time <laughs> the Raiders won a playoff game would have been the eight, would have been the 2002 AFC Championship game. I have no idea who they beat. But, uh, yeah, we're going to see one of these teams break that a, a, a very long playoff win drought. Uh, I think that's interesting at the very least. It will probably be the Bengals. Um, but, I, I think so, but yeah, this game this game is weird. I mean, the Bengals could win thirty eight seven, or the Raiders could win seventeen to twelve, or some bullshit like that. 
Yeah. The Raiders are just competent enough at everything that they can make any game close. Um, which, you know, I think that's interesting, but I think the Bengals uh, will probably win. Um, Saturday, 8.15pm on CBS, the six-seed Patriots take on the three-seed Bills, just a traditional um the traditional afc east power the bills hosting the upstart new england patriots here boy it feels good to have back-to-back afc east titles really good um i can't even imagine (laughs) yeah uh unfortunately we have to welcome new england into our home um so currently and granted this will change this has already changed since sunday when everyone was freaking out about the weather currently though it doesn't seem like there's going to be any precipitation in orchard park on saturday However, the current low temperature is zero degrees, and the high is eight. I, and this I, game... I, my, my, my southern blood just recoils at the very sound of that. So, uh, it, it is not quite ice bowl, but the wind chill will almost certainly push it into negative if it is windy at all. Um, so that's going to be a very interesting game. Um, if there's no wind, then it'll just be really fucking cold, and we might actually see just a normal football game where everyone's chilly uh who knows i have no expectations for this bill's playoff run like last year i expected them to make it to the afc championship game and they did um this year i don't know if they lose here i'll be bummed about it i'll be i'll like i will not be happy but you know the bills are capable of losing to anyone or beating anyone so i'm just you know playing uh playing with house money this year frankly go fucking bills oh boy let's go to sunday the 1 p.m. game on Fox. It makes sense to hide this at 1 p.m. This is the seven seed Eagles and the two seed Bucks. Nah, this ain't gonna be a game. No, um, no. This is gonna be this is gonna be a Buccaneers death march. Yeah, um, I think the Eagles can probably play them closer than we think because they're capable of doing weird stuff. Jalen Hurts is capable. Um, I actually think that in terms of teams that are that that can run against the Bucks' very good run defense. The Eagles are probably a pretty good candidate just because they do weird stuff, you know. Uh, yeah. They, uh, they can get the option going with Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders. Um, like, they can do interesting stuff with the running game. So I think maybe they'll be able to do something on offense, but I don't expect their defense to be able to hold up. Yeah, I, I'd say that's a fair assessment. Onwards to a more interesting game, 4.30 p.m. <laughs> on CBS – we have 49ers at Cowboys. There is a very funny quote from Kyle Shanahan about this game. Uh, a reporter asked him if current 49ers players have any idea about the gravity or um, of of the like former 49ers Cowboys rivalry. You know, like yeah. back in the back in the 90s, and he said absolutely not. Um, nope. Someone on the coaching staff made a wedding crashers reference apparently, and nobody got it. Um, I just thought that was wonderful. I also have no frame of reference for a Cowboys 49ers, uh, rivalry. Cause I mean, I don't either. I mean, I don't either. And I'm much older than you. So yeah. Yeah. Also, I want to say this is the Nickelodeon game. This is the Nickelodeon game. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can, you can watch someone get fucking slimed. I get to watch fucking Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo get, uh, Gets slimed. Um, I, 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 I was hoping the Bills would get the Nickelodeon game. I will say, though, if the Bills had gotten the Nickelodeon game, there is no way in hell I would be watching the Nickelodeon feed. It would drive me insane. Um, it's, it, it is literally only fun if 
you get to watch some other team have to deal with it. Sunday night, 8.15 p.m., NBC, Sunday Night Football, baby. We got the... We got the uh, Zombie Steelers, the 7th seed, taking on the 2 seed Chiefs. I don't want to talk about this game. Eh. Chiefs are going to win. The Bills, if they win, will have to play the Chiefs next week. Don't love that, personally. Monday night. There's a wild card game on Monday night this year. Uh, Personally, I fucking hate this. Yeah, Um, I don't think... Yeah, playoff games should not be on fucking Monday. it, It messes... I feel like that it's such a competitive disadvantage to have a football game on Monday night... In the playoffs, yes, in the playoffs. In the yeah, playoffs. it's it it is a it is a very strange decision for them to make. Like, I kind of get it because like the Bills had to play the the Saturday one p.m. game last year, and that was a little strange. So, but that's still a better like. It's weird to play the the early Saturday game. It's still better than playing on Monday night. This is the five seed Cardinals taking on the four seed Rams. I have no idea what to expect from this game. I think it'll I be. Think, a, I mean, I think it'll be a lot of points, and I think it'll be interesting. That's what I think. But um, I think if I had to make really quick predictions, I would probably take chalk for all of these games. Like none of these matchups look that close to me. I think the yeah. closest might be Patriots Bills, just because we've yeah. seen that game go both ways. I think the Niners will probably give the Cowboys a pretty good game. And I think the Cardinals will give the Rams a good game. But the rest of it, I think I'm comfortable taking chalk. I don't really want to make like super strong predictions or anything, but um Yeah. yeah. I, I'd say you're about right on that. So yeah. We went long this week, huh? We did. Well there was a lot to talk about, so of course we went long. It was <laughs> it, it was so it, much to talk about. It was it was one of the wildest it, it was one of the wildest and most action packed weeks of football we've had since starting this podcast. So yeah, of course. Good lord. Uh, a wild NFL season finale. Black Monday, obviously. We're going to be talking about the hires as they trickle in. Uh, there might be a hire by the next time that we record this podcast. I guess we'll talk about it. Um, but who knows? These things tend to move at weird speeds depending on who, on, like, let's say the Jags do want to hire Todd Bowles. They have to wait for the Bucks to get eliminated from the playoffs, and it's just a big whole goofy thing. I kind of prefer how it works in college football where, like, oh, yeah, like, like, Dan Lanning is the is the head coach at Oregon, but he's still coordinating the Georgia defense. I yeah. feel like that's just a more sensible system. Yeah. I guess we're just about done here. Um, I'm not really online right now. Go away. <laughs> Katie, where can the people find you? I am at Kates of Heaven on Twitter, and I am online, and I will be and I will be doing uh stuff for the show, so blame me. And also yeah. Victoria, because Victoria will still use the Tuck Roll account and say it's me so <laughs> um yeah um i have been reactivating my twitter once in a while because i think activating making a shit post and then deactivating five minutes later is funny um so i might continue doing that for a while just because it scratches my brain good i don't know um yeah you should follow the show account at tuck rule pod we do posts there and <laughs> also for like show updates yeah, yeah. Um, just for show updates, news and stuff. Um, if you like the show, you should give us five stars over at Apple Podcasts and leave us a review. No new reviews to report. But yeah, rate and review. Goddamn, this was a big week. Um, Katie, why don't you get us out of here? Reggie McNeil eats bussy. Fuck yeah, Reggie McNeil, let's go. Oh yeah.